I want to thank uh, Mike Calta because when he found out that Chuck D was available in the afternoons, he said his show, his morning show, could tape it or he could turn it over to the biggest public enemy fan in the building, myself. Uh, I've been on the radio since 1994, and if you had told me then that I'd one day be able to speak to Chuck D, I wouldn't have believed you. I was telling my son on the way here today, when rap music first came out, I was 11 years old and I heard Rapper's Delight at the skating rink, and for whatever reason, the art form spoke to me. And rap in the beginning was more about rocking a party, having a good time. And then Public Enemy came along. You know, Run DMC talked about what it was like, hard times in the city and stuff like that, but Public Enemy came along and was one of those socially conscious bands that opens your eyes and ears to a new way of thinking. And joining us right now, it is uh, an esteemed pleasure to welcome to the show Mr. Chuck D. Chuck, how are you today, man? I'm all right. Uh, good to talk to you, man. So you made that trade on the radio, so now you flip-flopped and you got it going on. Yeah, man, I, uh, I and I got to tell you, I would have traded anything I have for the ability to talk to you because uh, you, like I said in introducing you, you came along at the right time in my life. I had always listened to kind of punk rock, but then I listened to Run DMC and Curtis Blow and Melly Mel and Cool Modi and all that. And then when you guys came out, it was like a slap in the face. I've uh, I've seen quotes attributed to, I believe you saying rap music is like CNN. And you really had the ability to reach kids like me from maybe upper middle class backgrounds. And even though I will never understand the plight of the black man in America, you somehow made it very, uh, made me very aware of some of the inequities of the world. Was that part of your mission statement when you formed the band? Yeah, but we knew that there was a lot of voids and vacancies when it came down to explanation and making people clear about other ethnic, um, you know, situations and and cultural backgrounds. And it just wasn't thorough in the United States of America. So we made sure that, you know, we could put it inside of music that was infectious. We didn't create the music. Um, we came along at a time where the music was starting to be widespread and understood so we just filled it with different words and different sentiments and and informed people a little bit more within the words uh, we had to wait for a certain you know period of time where you know it was mature enough to be able to bring a certain maturity to it so uh you know we were fortunate and uh we made sure we took advantage sure. of that time and uh here we are right here we are indeed, where you're with, uh, gosh, Tom Morello, Be Real from Cypress Hill, and Prophets of Rage is going to hit the Mid-Florida Credit a a Union Amphitheater on October 1st. We'll fast forward a couple of years and decades. How in the world did Prophets of Rage come to fruition, Chuck? Uh, a few years ago, at the end of the Grammys, uh, LL Cool J, who usually hosted, had a project out, and, um, you know, together, he, myself, Tom Morello, Travis Barker, and Z-Trip actually did some kind of mashup supergroup medley, and it stuck in Tom's mind. And at that time, Rage Against the Machine was kind of like, you know, um, split apart for a couple of years. But, you know, it came to to be like, uh, you know, especially with this year. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, the meaning of, of a Rage Against the Machine 
needs to be there more than ever, as well as, you know, Public Enemy and Cypress Hill is still touring the world and consistent with what we say and do. But uh, it was all on Tom's mind, and uh, he reached out to me and myself. I brought in DJ Lloyd from Public Enemy and with Timmy Cummingsford and um, Brad Wilk, which is three-quarters of Rage Against Machine without um, my man, who's one of the greatest orators of all time, Zach De La Rocha. Um, you know, it really didn't come to fruition until... Uh, be real, jumped aboard, and then I was like, okay, this makes sense because nobody could fill Zach's shoes in uh, taking the Rage Against the Machine place, so that's not going to happen. So sure. it had to be something that was bigger than the sum of all parts. And uh, this is not Rage Against the Machine, do over. This is not Public Enemy. It's not Cypress Hill. It's Prophets of Rage, which is the sum of many parts. So a lot of Rage fans are starting to get it. Some that don't will, and um, they just got to get used to it, that this is a greater sum and that there's other two other factors in here that uh, are as mighty. Right, and you spoke to uh, how relevant uh, Prophets of Rage is to the times that we're in right now. Obviously, there was no way to really forecast just how uh, tempestuous the environment would be that we're in right now, but I imagine for... No, you definitely didn't want to forecast it. You didn't want it either. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I mean, who, who would want a train wreck you know, <laughs> in, in, in government? You know, This is some of the things we spoke out against. You want people to be kind of like civil at the top so they could take care of civilians. Right, and instead we're uh, we're in this awful mess where no side seems to respect any other side. Tolerance is at an all-time low. There's a lack of understanding and compassion uh, all over the place. And here you are leading a band that can be a unifier, yet at the same time speaking out against the atrocities that we find ourselves in in 2016. Right, Chuck? Dude, you got presidential candidates might be be the first to actually tell another country. Hash mark G T F O H. I mean, what do you expect a fourteen year old to think? You know, when you got somebody up there in their fifties and sixties actually like throwing a middle finger up at the world. I mean, what kind of bizarro behavior is that, man? So you need an artist to come out to actually say, yo, this is crazy. Yeah, man, and it is. We're speaking with the great Chuck D, frontman for Public Enemy. Uh, a lot of people might not be familiar with the fact that you were you have radio beginnings. There you are in Strong Island, New York, coming from Roosevelt, same neighborhood as, by the way, uh, Mr. Howard Stern, Eddie Murphy from Eddie Roosevelt Murphy, as well. Dr. J. Yeah, and yeah, you, so you're doing a radio show up there, and then you get involved in graphic design. And then I've read your autobiography, and it almost seems like it all came together. I don't want to say accidentally because that would be an insult to you, but it, I don't feel like you were like, I'm going to be a rapper, and this is the path I'm going to take. It just all came together. Maybe organically is the right word to use. Would that be a, a fair yes, thing to say? Organically is the word. Organically is a word I use a lot. That's how Prophet of the Rage came together. It came together organically because it had to. Yeah. You know, I'm not into, like, let's sit around and calculate. You know, a lot of pe times people from the outside, they think it's, well, it's about a boardroom and sit, sit around and let's market this so we could get a whole bunch of eyeballs. And I mean, nah, I'm not into that. So um, it came together organically, my beginnings, and I'm a firm believer that you write half your life and life writes half of the rest for you. You know. True words are uh, are definitely never spoken. And for you, I think a lot of people be shocked to find out that people actually had to convince you to be an MC, one of the most emphatic voices of our generation. That loud and proud voice uh, actually kind of had to be convinced, like, no, no, Chuck, you should be the MC of this band, and here is your foil, Flava Flav. Uh, is that kind of how that all went down? 
Nah. <laughs> I had to be convinced to do records. I always was an MC. I wanted to be a sportscaster. When rap music and hip hop came along, you know, I was able to take that that same rhythm and pattern and apply it. Be powerful on the mic. Um, when Def Jam and Rick Rubin came along, I was, you know, I, yeah, I was asked for a couple of years, do I want to do this? Much in the same way that Tom Morello asked me last year <laughs> about the Props the Rage project. And after contemplation and maybe saying, nah, you know, it started making more sense to me. I said, well, you know, I am a fan of, of the music and the genre. I If I feel that I can make it better, then I'll be involved. If I don't feel that I can make the whole thing better, meaning the genre that I'm involved with, then I leave it alone. Mm. And um, I just think, you know, organically is the approach that I try to choose because, you know, once you contrived, it might work, but it doesn't work for me. Right. We're speaking with Chuck D. He is at Mr. Chuck D on Twitter. Chuck, do you feel like the current rap, uh, the state of rap, if you will, is something that is designed by record company executives to glorify an, uh, a, an exploitative lifestyle where really guys are rapping about nothing at all. They're saying things about, uh, and I don't want to say everybody because there are guys like Kendrick Lamar who still have something important to say, but for the most part, it's all about blunts and broads and, and glamorizing a lifestyle that seems to be very uh, harmful to the community and the kids are just more than happy to kind of lap it up. Is that, a, is that an accurate way to portray rap these days? Uh, I wouldn't even go that broad and that vast and that deep. You know, probably you have to lay it out on something more than a radio interview. But I would say that the record companies and the positions and the powers that be rather have it be individualized. And when you have it individualized, it can go anywhere um, just for the sake of sale and negotiation to make more money and and, you know, the lowest hanging fruit is probably the thing that's going to mm. be the most, con you know, consumed. Yeah. So I'm I'm a firm believer of groups and acts. And if hip-hop needed something, it needs more acts. It needs, when you look at a band, let's say if you look at Foo Fighters, you, I mean, you got guys that got to play together. Yeah. Even in Prophets of Rage, we got to play together. And, and, and Cypress Hill and Public Enemy are still active groups with 25 and 30 years around the world. So, right. You, you, once you start dealing with yourself in a room and say, I'm going to come out with all the answers to deal with the world, I mean, that's one of the things I think has really damaged and hurt rap music and and also damaged a lot of black R&B. We, we all came out of the element of groups and artists that worked together. And once they reduced black music and hip-hop to individual signing, signings, it... it, it pales in comparison, no big pun intended, to, to what happens in rock where people kind of check them out forever. Uh, when I was a teenager listening to Bring the Noise and I heard the line radio stations, I questioned their blackness. They call us most black, but we'll see if they'll play this. I had no idea that decades later I'd be able to give you uh, 10 to 15 minutes to opine on my own radio show. So, Chuck... It has been an esteemed pleasure. Thank you for the body of work that you've uh, put behind you. Some of the most important songs of my life, Fight the Power, Bring the Noise, Rebel Without a Pause, etc. Please keep doing what you do, and I encourage everyone out there to go check out Prophets of Rage. They'll be at the Mid-Florida Credit Union Amphitheater October 1st. He is an MC, an author, a producer, and most importantly, a spokesman for a generation, an icon, and a living legend. It has been a, a, an extreme pleasure speaking with you today, Chuck. I appreciate the time. 
where that coming from you is an honor, and I tell everybody you definitely want to see this show. I have the best seat in the house, and I'm on stage, and I'm looking at some of my heroes get down, and uh, it's a joy every night. Well, I can't wait, man, and I'll see you guys in October when you get down here, and once again, thanks for all you've done. Thank you. Thank Peace. You. Peace. Chuck D, everybody. But joining us on the phone right now is uh, Seth's wife, Phoebe. We were talking yesterday about the things that dudes don't want to hear from their wives. One of those was, is she hot? Like girls will play a game of, hey, is that girl hot? And Seth said that Phoebe never does that. So we thought we'd get Phoebe on the phone to see if uh, she would do that. Hey, Phoebes. Hi, why do girls do that? It seems bizarre. It seems like a trap to me. Like, uh, you're just trying to get us to admit that someone's hot, and then, uh, yeah. you know, when they admit it, then you get to punch them or kick them in the nuts. Or you just have really, really low self-esteem, and you want to think that your husband or boyfriend doesn't think anybody else is attractive ever. That is a uh, solid point. By the way, this counts as a phone a friend. And now, it's about to get really awkward up in here. Well, at least hopefully. It's phone a friend. It's so, Phoebe, you know the uh, ladies of our workplace. Well, maybe she, maybe she doesn't want to do this because, you know, we don't do it. So why do this now? Because it's on the radio and it puts you in a very uncomfortable position, <laughs> Seth. Duh. Well, maybe it would make her uncomfortable if I think other women are attractive. Right. Exactly. Maybe it, it will. But I don't want to make her uncomfortable. Why not? She's putting you in an uncomfortable position by being here. Yeah, that's true. But I got to go home tonight. Yes, you do to her, too. You, <laughs> you get to go home to her. So, uh, Phoebe, throw a couple of uh, names by uh, Seth, and uh, we'll see if she thinks they're hot. Hot or not, Seth. She? He. Okay, we're going to start with uh, someone that everybody knows and loves, Carmen. Oh, oh. Carmen. I can answer that one. Yes. <laughs> okay. Seth? Yeah. Is Carmen hot? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Yes. No. Okay, What's the right to, answer? I'm supposed to get mad now. I can't remember. Am I supposed to get mad? <laughs> we just want your natural, <laughs> natural reaction. What do you think, Phoebe? Do you think Carmen's hot? Absolutely, and I love her new haircut. I think it looks great. Yeah, I think she is. Uh, she's definitely beautiful. She is uh, one of the two most attractive people in Blarman. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so weird. I'll, I'll say the best I ever saw Carmen look was when she showed up here for the date that all you guys went on. Oh, yeah. And she was wearing some sort of perfume that I told Phoebe to go buy immediately. Yeah, she really caught my eye that day until Blaine showed up at the concert, and then that's all I could look at. God, he's so hungry. Yeah, and it's a little bizarre now because I really like that perfume, and I realize that I like it, and I wear it for you because Carmen was wearing it. But yeah, but it, it, sm it smells good. It's girls it helping smell, girls help. Delicious. It's girls helping girls helping boys. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we've established then that uh, that Carmen is hot. Okay, here's a, here's a good one that Seth is, is going to make him very uncomfortable. Danielle. Oh man. Oh. oh. <laughs> oh, and if you're unfamiliar with the Danielle and Seth story, go check out the uh, podcast Drew Garabo Uncensored and uh, check out the Danielle edition, check out the Kushner's edition, and uh, you'll get to hear their uh, their past. I will say at a time, I, I did think Danielle was hot, obviously, but now I think that Danielle is cute and I, I see her as kind of a, unfortunately, a sister. So a cute sister. So she looks like a cute sister, but not hot. Yes, but she's like six months pregnant, too, so it's really yeah. tough to get that hot vibe going. I forget <laughs> what Danielle looks like when she's not pregnant, so I can't see her as hot anymore. I see her as glowing and beautifully maternal, but all I can see Danielle as is pregnant these days. Yeah, she's very pregnant. Plus, she's um, beautiful. Okay. Do you think Danielle's hot? Do I? Yeah. 
Are you asking me? Yeah. Absolutely. For sure. Should I think she's hot? Yeah, I could see if you said she was hot, I would believe you. And if you say she's cute, I believe you too. Because Dan- the thing is that Danielle is a very naturally thin woman. So I know that Seth likes a girl with a big booty and a larger rack. And she, although looks fantastic, she doesn't have, she doesn't have, you know, huge hooters. When she's she's pregnant, she does. (laughs) I know. And, you know, we, we just went to Orlando together for the night and she got down to a tank top and underwear and we climbed into bed and went to sleep together. So I know what she's working with these days. Whoa. Kind of underwear. Oh, uh, just a regular, you know, like boy cut type underwear. I probably, she's going to kill me for even saying that. I shouldn't have said that. You should not have. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Goodness, yeah. Woo. Are you okay? Uh, me? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, it's weird. With Danielle, I've never once thought she's hot. I've always thought she's very physically beautiful, but her personality yeah. is such, she's such an amazing person that I just, uh, I, I, She's one of my favorite people on the planet. I know I say that about a lot of people, but Danielle's just all around great person. Looks, personality, everything, sense of humor. We know. You love everybody except the terrorists. She's a total package. Not terrorists. I don't <laughs> like them. Uh, all right, so we're playing a little game of is she hot? So far, we've established in our workplace that Carmen is hot, according to Seth. Danielle yes. is hot, according to, well. Cute. Cute. She's cute. Not hot. Okay, another one um, is that she does not work with us, but we all know her. Our friend, Monica. Not the one from the Bones, but the one outside of the radio station. Ooh. Your friend, Monica, who is so smitten with you that she married a Seth just so she could say, oh, Seth, pound me, Seth, and think of you. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, what? Yeah. Yeah, you think she's hot? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Phoebe, do you think she's hot? Absolutely, and I think if Seth said no, that I know he would have been lying. (laughs) She is super hot. She's also she's also very very funny. Yeah, she wasn't that hot back then. So (laughs) (laughs) she uh, yes, your friend Monica is uh, is super hot and super funny. Yeah, yeah, she's very she's very attractive. We have our girl happy hours, you know, so I know a lot of different sides of her. Oh, and yeah, I know that Seth would be lying if he said that she wasn't. So that was really sort of a test. Phoebe, if you had to make out with one of them, uh, and, and I mean, I mean, you have to. Like, Ribby and Piper are in danger, and all you have to oh, do God. to take them out of danger is to make out with either Danielle or Monica. With which one would you swap spit? Yeah. <laughs> so enthusiastic. Yeah, who? Who? And, and if you wanted to pick both, then that's the right answer, too. No, can't pick both. Oh. I will say that it would be Monica. And the reason for that is that Danielle and I have, not that Monica and I aren't good friends, but Danielle and I are past that. Uh, We're sort of in a different level of sisterhood that that wouldn't even like cross my mind. Like there's no like drunk college girl in either of us. However, Monica, I could see us out. We're at Penthouse Club. We adore each other. So if that was ever going to happen, I would say it would happen with Monica. Yeah. God, I love this game. Was it supposed to make me uncomfortable? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Phoebe, do you have any more for us in the uh, Is She Hot game? Uh, you know, I think if there was anybody else, I just don't know that anybody would know who she is. Mm. How about this? How about how about Jenna Kez from Promotion? Oh, that, man. Former Chase intern disco on 97X. <laughs> Chase me down, special lady. Seth, is she hot?
Here's what I'll say about Jenna. As uh, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Jenna. I've known her, I think, since she was maybe 17 or 18. And uh, she's ascending in the company. Mm-hmm. A true millennial. Mm-hmm. We spotlight a lot. Mm-hmm. Jenna is, and her family, mm-hmm. Jenna is like marriage material. I don't know the ins and the outs of, of Jenna and how she is, you know, behind closed doors. From what everything I've seen over the years, she's the girl that you want to marry. You want to be involved with her family because they're amazing people. So I, I guess you would probably say that is... Yes, maybe. What's the right answer here? Well, I mean, you want to marry Jenna? No, I don't want to marry Jenna, but yeah, she's she's no, but you she want to marry her. I don't want to marry Jenna, but I, you you know what I'm talking about. You're saying she's not hot. No, I'm she's not, more than hot. She's she she's like yeah, she's um very cute. If you weren't married to Phoebe, you would marry Jenna. Well, I mean, I would I wouldn't want to be single forever. I'd, I'd have to I'd have to get out there, <laughs> right? Absolutely. Thank you. Well, Phoebe, thank you for joining us for this uh, potentially. Uh, oh, what about uh, Rob? Uh, Rob Stalker just tweeted, uh, Kayla, is she hot? Kayla that used to work here. Uh huh. That's Ka- the one. Kayla's cute, but is she hot? Hot. Hot. Kayla's cute. Kayla might have been hot until her boss yelled at me in Vegas. Yeah. Once Kat yelled at you, then uh, she, was, she was no longer hot. Great question, Rob. Uh, Phoebe, thank you very much. We appreciate it. Uh, good job doing mornings this week on uh, Hot 115. Yes, Seth? Am I okay with my answers, Phoebe? You are because I know you very well, and I know who you would think would be attractive. And if you said no about any of them, I knew that you would be lying. So those were all correct oh. answers. Did I, go too so- far, did I go too far with the marriage explanation? No, I don't know that I expected you to say that you'd be marrying her. No, 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 I wouldn't be married. No, but you know, you know, you know what I mean about that. I'm not trying to marry her, but Jenna's got the girl next door, great family. She is a boss in this building. Like I get, I totally. She's one of my best friends, so I totally understand what you're saying. Like I think that Chase should be putting a ring on it at some point here. They've been together for a long time. She needs to get somebody needs to lock her down. But it's like when you see Jenna, you don't go, "Oh my, oh man, that is the hottest girl." You go, "I gotta." got to get involved with, with her and her family because they're some amazing people. I actually don't think that at all. I, I've never had that thought when I've seen you her. You haven't spent time with their family. They're, I, they're awesome. I guess I really should. Yeah. Hey, listen, on a side note about the bathtub thing really quickly, and then I'll let you guys go because yeah. I'm holding up your whole show here. When I was younger, and we, because I grew up in Florida, when there would never be hurricanes and stuff coming through, my mom said that you need to sanitize the bathtub and then fill it with water. So you have drinking water, which sounds disgusting. To me. Uh, can you? Is con- that-, that is gross. Can you confirm something uh, for me that happened last night? Because Seth told me this, and I don't believe him. Yeah. You guys went out to uh, dinner with uh, Sean Daly and his girls. Yes. Is Sean Daly instructing his daughters to steal toilet paper from hotel rooms because he is unemployed? <laughs> well, he was saying that he they take toiletries, so I thought, oh, you know, like shampoo and conditioner, the little bottles. But he said that they took toilet paper and paper towels from the hotel room as well, which I've never heard of. It, paper paper <laughs> towels. A- and he also told me that he steals forks and stuff from Chick-fil-A so he can pack yeah. it in their lunch when they go to camp. That's kind of smart. Yeah. That's not okay. Taking toilet paper from a hotel room is not okay. I, I think it's a bit much. That is not okay. Uh, thank you Weird, very much, right? Phoebe. We appreciate you, and uh, thank you for joining us today. You were great. Hey, thanks for having me. Have a great rest of the show, guys. Thank you very much. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. 
Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.